and welcome to the Ski Racing Podcast with me, Ed Drake. Joining me on this week's episode, my old faithful ski racing superfan, Ben Clark, former Olympic slalom star and has been the women's World Cup coach for GB for the last four and a half years, Noel Baxter, and Paul Telling, coach and director of the British Race Academy Team Evolution. Uh, with the start of the 2019-20 season just around the corner, today we'll be discussing what to expect from Alpine Ski Racing's big hitters and some regulation changes, plus our picks for the big globes. Guys, how is it sold in time already? Anyone? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were directing that to Ben, so... <laughs> How's it sold time already? I mean, it's October, so it's sold time, isn't it? Um, it does seem like it's come around pretty quickly. It seems not so long ago that it was World Cup finals. It was the end of end of last year, and it seems like the summer is shot by. So and uh, we've gone from we've gone from that point in the summer where you can't wait for ski racing to start to that point where you're looking at your your watch, looking at your calendar, and thinking, "Oh my God, it's it's in it's in a week <laughs> bet, and a half's time." I better be ready. Weather's turned. It looks like it started snowing across most of most of Europe, certainly in Austria. So Solden's looking fresh at the moment, and we're ready to go. Yeah, it's that way, isn't it? You spend the whole summer just training. You're really in your training zone and just trying to. You know, you're sort of thinking, yeah, Solden's end of October. It's nothing. Then finish that camp in <laughs> September. You go home and it starts getting a bit colder in the mornings and stuff. And you that sort of you know, that excitement you get when you're a little kid. It sort of builds again. You know, like anticipation of. And especially like with social media now, like everybody's posting pictures from Solden, you know, everybody's race intensity is going up and up and up. And all of a sudden it's like, it's now 10 days away from being back to what gets us going and gets us ready for the winter. Yeah, that's what, that's what I've been measuring it by is uh, all the athletes' social media profiles and how much more they've picked up the intensity in the last few weeks and everyone's getting excited. Uh, and it's time to start setting the recording box off and get ready to watch all of the races coming or, up this year. Or miss them, depending on how you're... Or, 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 or miss them if, if they start late and I'll just get a recording of a replay of someone else's race. <laughs> um, so there's over 100 medals on offer again this winter. So action-packed schedule for men and women already laid out for this season. The men are heading back out to Beijing for the Olympic test event. Just the men. Just the men. So the women, no, when are the women going to get their chance? Yeah, no no plans for China this year. Uh, that'll be next year on the on the speed side. Um, yeah, exciting to see what's what's on offer over there. And no one's really been there. It's kind of uncharted territory, especially for the World Cup racers. I think they've had a few lower level races. And yeah, I've never been there myself. So I'm kind of expecting quite similar to Korea, uh, just by the geography of the place and looking at the average temperatures and stuff like that. And, a lot of snow making, not a lot of natural snow. I think it's quite interesting. Again, we saw it in Pyeongchang because, especially in the speed events, both on the men's side and the women's side, it's so much about that experience on these big mountains and going quickly. So, again, it's kind of nice in a way that it's gone somewhere fresh because it means that the young guys or the young, less experienced guys and girls, let's say, um, are able to have a bit more of a level level playing field when it comes to speed. Yeah, I mean, the tech events, you just turn up and it's do on any given day. Left and right really quickly and that's it. <laughs> so, so much of the speed events you've talked about. That's all there is. I spoke to Dave Ryder yesterday and uh, and I said, how's training been going? And he said, yeah, you know, been turning left and been turning right. And I was like, well, that's is your job now. Have you been doing it fast? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it as a, when I was in with the Spanish team, you know, a small downhill team not quite the years of experience to pass on through the coaches and I kind of really looked at those kind of scenarios to take advantage of that to, that they're all in my kind of position yeah. at that point so if I'm on my game I can I yeah can and they, and they give you that psychological boost don't they you know you go to Kitzbühel you go to Wengen or you go to Cortina and there's there's so much that you learn year on year but when you get to go to these big places that not many people have gone. You, it gives you that little boost that, you know what, well, I've got as good a chance of performing here as anybody else does. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Obviously, there's going to be difficulties with going to um, the non-traditional Alpine nations for these major events, and there's always going to be criticisms that people have. But one thing that it does bring, like you say, is a completely fresh level opportunity for everyone to go in there, everyone to gain 
the same experience, everyone to start afresh and, and to really see. And you saw that even last year in Pyeongchang, like you said, some of the issues that Hirsha had just came down to not having the right equipment set up on the snow because they didn't have that experience skiing in that environment. And I'm sure we're going to see the same thing when it comes around to China. We're going to see that guys are really, you know, not the favourites uh, uh, taking advantage of that and, and able to take, um, yeah, take advantage of the, the more experienced athletes being not so uh, experienced. Well prepped. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, the support so well is, yeah, yeah, you know, that's that. it's a lot to do with the support team behind it, I think. Not so much just the athletes. Like when these guys have all these equipment manufacturers testing the skis and everything it's, it's they're all a little bit you know yeah in new territory but also the big teams are still going to get that advantage right they're still going of to course. spend they're of still going to they send are. out yeah, the technicians yeah. out to these places and i'm sure the austrias the french yeah. that you know the, the the germans and the likes are all going to be out there with skis on snow testing different grinds testing different waxes and they'll be doing that throughout the next couple yeah. of years all I mean, the way up until early, the day before the games what i heard the austrians are heading out there really early and with exactly that in mind to, to get to grips with the local sort of climate and yeah and get used to it because yeah. it's, to, it's totally different totally different and we're going to be out in um in japan i think it's pronounced niba anybody else got any other but i've been scouring the internet to try and work I, out exactly how I, to say I, it <laughs> but i can't figure it out so i've gone with uh, niba so it's gonna be quite good that's a tech race for the men which is gonna be quite exciting again to get back to somewhere a bit fresher, you know, spice up the calendar. Although there are so many races on the calendar, uh, Austrian head coach head coach Andreas Pulaka was interviewed by Fizz over the summer, and they were mostly talking about the pressure on the Austrian Ski Federation due to the fact that obviously the post Marcel Hirscher era is now upon us. And he talked a lot about Schwartz stepping up to the mantle, but more so he was talking about Feller and how he thinks that he's going to have to step up and really be the guy that's starting to to take the sort of mantle of Hirscher. But he also commented about how there are too many races uh, for the athletes to get their head around. And also that, and that's contributed to the death of the all-rounder. You know, gone are the years where we see people like um, Benny Reich tackling all disciplines and do all races. It's just too difficult to do that now. Yeah, it does appear that way. There's just too much for everyone to do. And last year there was quite a big spotlight on Michaela Schifrin and the way she managed her season um, but with the amount of races you won, if you if when you turn up, you're confident that you can win any race that you enter. You can have a weekend off. You can you can skip a couple of races. You don't really want the World Cup to be that way. But if your body can't handle an entire season of every discipline, then you have to you have to p- try and pick and choose the ones that are best going to suit you and allow you to recover. Especially last year, having a, a, a major championships to peak for. Um, that's not the case this year. So. It'll be interesting to see how people shape up with the with the events. Yeah, I mean, the young guys are starting to come through uh, and they're the ones that are tackling more and more disciplines. Obviously, as the younger, the fitter you are, obviously, and, and the easier and quicker it is to recover. So we still get some of the young guns, sort of Marco Odomat, who we'll talk about a bit later. But, um, you know, these type of, of athletes being able to tackle more events. But no, it takes, it's really physical, isn't it? It takes it out of you mentally and physically. Oh, yeah, the, the stress is on it and the... You know, managing the travel, all of all of that stuff, and making sure that your your training is being effective as well. Um, I think you saw that clearly with Schifrin in the, the Olympic season in two thousand and eight season, uh, two thousand eighteen season. Sorry, you know she just reached absolute burnout by the time Flacco came around, and it was it was. I know they were quite stressed about that because the Olympics were were three weeks later. Yeah. You know, and I think she <clears throat> evidently on what Ben said there, she learned from it and and took that different approach last year which I think was was smart especially with the with the you know the sports science information now about being fresh the different things you can use to, to really highlight that and and understand it a bit better it's 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 so clear it's things like altitude you know there's more and more research being done on the actual effects of that there's different ways that you can really get an idea of what effect it's having on you the stress and yeah things have just advanced since but it comes down to the fact that alpine skiing is a sprint isn't it no matter if you're doing downhill or if you're doing slalom there's no case that you're sitting there saving energy till you get down to the bottom half you know it's out of the gate full attack straight from the off so not only is it physical uh, and obviously you fatigue wise it becomes very tricky but obviously with fatigue comes injury and obviously the athletes know that it's a long season and we've seen season ending injuries happen 
in, on a weekly basis for athletes. So it's not something that these guys are willing to put on the line all the time. I, I think it's a hugely hard balance when you look at the when you look at the World Cup calendar. <clears throat> you look at the number of races on there. Like you said, there's a okay, there's a hundred medals up for grabs across all the events. But when you when you just look at the sheer volume of races, you look at the travel that's involved for all of those all those different races. You got to remember that these travel days are not rest days. No. These are fatigue inducing travel days as well often either all the way across Europe or between continents with, with the return to Japan and China this year then like Noel says you've got a, a far higher increase of uh, training volume with the, the way that the athletes are skiing these days something has to give and the, the two things that we're seeing give are either the athletes bodies so you have these injuries being picked up which are either a higher rate of injuries or the injuries are more serious they're, they're career ending or they're um, season ending injuries or the other thing that has to give is the program and like you touch on there people are just making smart choices either to ditch speed and focus on tech to ditch tech and focus on speed or like Noel said or Ben said Schifrin will will be in a strong enough position to say well you know what I'm going to just sit out a slalom or a speed race or, or whatever I feel like sitting out because she's able to do that so people are having to adapt their programs accordingly and that means that we we don't have any overall but that's a call that somebody like Schifrin can make being you know the best female athlete that there is exactly that's not that's not a call that a middle of the pack skier can make if nice. the middle of the pack skier says the coach says you're going to here you go yes sir three bags full sir yeah and the kind of dynamic of that decision is really tough as well especially for a young racer you know they want to race if mm. you you got a chance to to win or to podium you want to take that chance you know you can't sort of save that for next week because you never know what can happen but i think yeah Schiffer's in a pretty special position yeah. like you said she's she is very confident in her ability in her ability and yeah i don't think she's ever sat out of slalom interesting <laughs> <laughs> but i think also at the same time it's not just world cup programs right so again no one you need to talk about alex tilly or charlie guess when they're running their programs you're trying to factor in world cup programs but you're also trying to keep race sharpness and decide how many fizz races or Europa cup races you have to do so you're also trying to balance fatigue with race sharpness with equipment changes because yes the bulk of your technical stuff will be done through the summer and obviously the equipment changes will be done through the summer but it doesn't stop you have to keep trying to make incremental gains exactly yeah. it's just that that tough balance of that and there does seem to be a bit of a shift it used to be that way where you just did all the races and you just got on with it and tried to tough it out kind yeah. of thing but there, there does there is a shift and like i said there's so much research now that shows and helps you understand how to be fresh and on your game you know and that should help you to get those results when you need them we were talking just before we started recording about injuries you were talking about last season about how many injuries we saw and obviously i think like you say now times are changing we are coaches athletes team principals are deciding are focusing rather than just blitzing all targets what was the stat you were that you yeah one yeah i couldn't don't quote me on it but at one point i think in the top 45 downhillers there was about 15 were injured um and yeah there was quite a lot of concern about that and yeah rightly so it's it's part of the nature of our sport but yeah. and it's 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 the big ongoing debate as well in downhill is how safe can you make it and how much how safe do we want it to be yeah because uh, it is is entertaining and, yeah i mean you yeah. see it across different sports don't you so yeah. you see it in formula one you see it in uh, horse racing or you see it in, in alpine racing at the end of the day we have all done it at some point chosen to put ourselves in a start gate and to try and go as fast as we can from the top to the bottom and so yes you can you know, make sure that the safety equipment's right, that the A nets and B nets are in place, and you, you know your helmet's got the right sticker on it. But ultimately, we know what we're doing when we step into it. And I, and I guess the downhills will, will argue that exact same fact. You know, risk reward. Well, I think there's an there's an inherent risk in the sport which everyone accepts. Like you say, when they when they decide to start a sport, or when they go into the start gate, or even if they're just watching it, people expect there to be. Uh, risk and injury associated to that risk through being involved in the sport but it's another thing for those risks to be exaggerated through fatigue and that's that's I guess what people it's a great decision right exactly. to stand up and say do you know exactly. what I'm actually too tired to race this yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's one thing getting injured because you're skiing on your limit and it's another thing that your limit is reduced because your body's fatigued mm. I know Bodhi spoke about that a few years ago about actually the benefits of 
of certain drugs in sport to reduce fatigue and reduce the risk of injury. Um, and certainly when you look at the calendar as it is now, how busy it is now, uh, you've got to say, you know, at the end of this year, are they going to be drawing conclusions that maybe this is the straw that broke the camel's back on? They've just won too many races. And if the Austrians are already touching on that in their press interviews pre-season, prior to anyone having any injuries, and you look at the resources and the number of skiers the Austrians have got, you've got to think, you know, what are the other nations thinking at this point in the season? And speaking of drugs in sport... What's the rules on oxygen this year? <laughs> I'll go back to oxygen gate. Oh, so the same rules are applying this season as they were last season. So oxygen is still not permitted within the field of play. So uh, I think Stefan Leutz will probably be the best person to, to tell you where that field of play starts and finishes. But um, it, uh, it, so basically it's allowed within training and it's allowed away, basically away from World Cup TV cameras, essentially. Because nobody, like we talked about last season, nobody wants to sit there and see somebody on a, an oxygen mask, you know, because it, do, it doesn't, it sort of takes away to the fa- of the fact that, that, you know, they're doing it because they're good as they are. All of a sudden it comes into, you know, it's because he was having oxygen. But I mean, you could say that about anything because the resources that are available, again, to the big hitting Alpine nations are not available to your smaller nations. So that sort of side of things is always going to be uh to be the case so there's a couple of other changes ben we were talking about it earlier with the world cup alpine combined events yeah that's right so the new rules for this year um if we think we've got this right it is after the speed run has taken place uh, rather than reversing the order of the second run or the top 30 you finish in the order that you finish the speed event so starting the order the you start in the order you finish in the in the speed event. So, uh, if Dominic Paris wins the the downhill leg or super G leg, he goes first in the slalom. So it seems like Fis have tried to do something to try and readdress the balance that we argued about a little bit last year. That perhaps the tech guys had a little bit too much of an advantage in in the Alpine combined. So, considering at one point it looked like combined might not be on the circuit anymore it seems like FIS have done something to try and address it and it'll be really interesting to see how those events take shape yeah, no wasn't it a very 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 last minute decision from what I heard yeah I mean it, it was the it sounded like it was on its way out very much so and then yeah all of a sudden there was these four or three races or whatever in the calendar that no one was expecting um, and that's I think that's took Andy Pulak away surprise as well you know and that's led to his comments I guess yeah it's an interesting thing I really think there is a place for a combined I think I like it I really want it to stay in yeah to to be honest I'm quite a fan of the the old fashioned way do Kitzbühel downhill and do the slalom and the best one at the end is the best there's no question of it really on those real classic hills like Bengen and Kitzbühel but it's yeah I understand that that's not a spectator friendly event that comes to a sort of yeah it's almost easy conclusion but in those old school styles it was sort of it was almost not an afterthought because that's not fair, but it was, you know, it's not. There wasn't like a medal ceremony where people could see that who was going to win. It was like you know, well, if we take the results from here, we take the results from here. And on yeah. paper, it says that this guy. Yeah, you know, when you when you look at a real overall combined skier, that's the best one is going to win. Yeah. In, in those scenarios, but it's it's interesting this format. I think it's going to be yeah. good. I think the changes uh, from uh, me personally, I think they're going to be a good change and I think again this season being an off season in terms of there's no major champs it's a great time for Fizz to be chucking out a couple of different ways of running it to try and save it because like you say it was on its way out and it was going to be totally replaced uh, and see you later the Alpine combined so I think it's yeah, going to actually I, hopefully find yeah, a, that's definitely a negative step if, they, if yeah. they move towards that it's also a medal event gone at the Olympics you know and that's that's not good for our sport as a whole yeah absolutely not I think it's it's a really tough one. I certainly don't envy anyone having to sit in the FIS Congress and, and debate the combined or the Alpine combined because depending on who you've got skiing each year, depending on if your slalom team are particularly strong or your speed team are particularly strong, you, you could have it look like it favours one discipline more than another, whereas maybe it's just the strength of the athletes. Depending on if you're at, at Wengen or if you're in Hinterstoder, you're going to have two different hills which will obviously favour a slalom or will favour a downhill skier. You know, there's there's so many variables that can make a combined fair or unfair towards a certain discipline skier on any given day. So it's very hard to, to come up with something that is 
always going to offer competition. And that's what you're looking for for spectators. Fizz are effectively trying to provide entertainment and have people be able to sit down and watch and until the last skier has come down and say, this is entertaining, anyone could win this, this is, this is great to watch. And it's very hard to come up with a plan that's always going to deliver that. Mm. So I think exactly like you said, they've, they've tried to do something different for this year because there's no major events. They can see how it works. And I certainly don't think it's, it's going to be worse than it was previously. And, you know, maybe, maybe we end up with something that's even more exciting. Yeah, and, and even if they're using it as a test, as a way to do it, and who knows whether they decide on that or they say, actually, this was a step in the right direction. We're going to try this going forward or you know we, we they, they it gives them at least some sort of data to try and work out if they're going around it the right way uh, and another point that we're going to quickly cover or try and quickly cover it's a bit more difficult than quickly is um the case of the world cup start list so i had a um a tweet in from mark Poole who was asking if we could discuss how the seedings work and i have to admit that it took a bit of research to actually get to the bottom of <laughs> the, the you know full word by word lettering from Fizz, and I actually gave Dave Riding a call to try and help me out in terms of a way of dumbing it down a little bit. Well, I mean, out, brain. out of everyone here, Noz the one who's been working on the World Cup for the last few years, so I'd imagine that he he's got the best grasp of it. I would not like to muddy the waters by stepping <laughs> in and saying something incorrect, so I'm going to step back from the mic and. Uh, between yourself and Noel, you can you can right. explain. Okay, you, okay I'll, I'll try. And, uh, and, <laughs> and if I'll I, just correct yeah, you. Yeah, you can correct me. But my understanding of it is, so if you finish with 100, let's take 100 points, that you finish the season with 100 points. So Dave Riding has 100 points, World Cup points at the end of the season. Uh, and so that figure is then calculated into World Cup start list points. And if there are 10 races in a year, you lose 10% of your finishing total every single race, regardless of what you do, whether you DNF or whether you win. So if there's 10 races in a year, every single race, you will lose 10 points from your World Cup start list points Yeah. every year. So far, so good? So far, so good. Okay. So if you race the first race, and so you have 100 World Cup starts, start list points from the previous year from the previous year the you then add your slalom points from the world cup that you were at but you also then have to minus the 10 percent that you that you are destined to lose yeah, so from the get exactly yeah it's it, you put it well there it's just it's, it's like a rolling list well you have, to, you, know, you have to explain that point from the previous year but then it's like a rolling list with the new points from this year so. yeah so every single race you lose the percentage of your last year's points every single race regardless of what happens but then you also gain the points from each world cup that you score points in yeah and it, it yeah you so kind it, of it's constantly changing it's fluctuating so it's yeah. supposed to allow new people in but it's also therefore supposed to not um really hamper you if you dnf because yeah. you then only lose 10 percent. especially if you're a if you're a top skier say the top seven skier it's, yes you you have quite a bit of protection that should hold you in there if you're so it takes you a while small, to, yeah. to, to to get but out. equally it's, it's it's a complex system but it is quite good because you can move up quite fast as well you know by scoring a big result if you you know you have a no no points and you get a top 10 you can you can boost up the start list really quite quickly, up. yeah. If you, if you get some, you know. So on 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 paper, there obviously we all believe in Dave, um, as as we did last year, and he, he let me down when I bet on him last year. But we still, I've still got faith in him. If we were to say that he had a hundred World Cup points from last season, carried over, so he's got a hundred on the World Cup start list. He then races the first World Cup this year. Yeah. He wins in Levy. Yeah. So he's going to get a hundred new points. Yeah. He now has two hundred points, but he loses ten. 10. Points from the previous year. So yeah. he's now got 190 World Cup start yeah. list points. He then goes to the second World Cup slalom, Valdez and, wins he, and he wins that. He's now got 290 minus the 10 yeah. that he's losing for 10% each time. So yeah. he's now got 280 and thus he, he builds his World Cup yeah. points up. So Hirscher, prior to retiring, was on... Uh, one million points. Yeah, <laughs> around 1,500. <laughs> I think he was honestly on when you look on the list. So that is now as clear as mud. 
<laughs> so hopefully uh, that answers the question. And also like to say, Paul, that I think that was actually factually correct. So Dave, <laughs> Dave will actually be appreciative that you have actually done some research rather than just <laughs> totally gone off the cuff. Uh, just pulling figures out of your head. There you go, Dave. Uh, and, and just so that you don't get in trouble for uh, having your facts wrong, Dave, oh, you... 334 World Cup points, but I didn't want you trying to do maths with 334. <laughs> I struggled enough with 100. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so that's World Cup. Startless points ticked off. <laughs> We've got that one uh, in the bag. So the landscape of next season looks very, very different with quite a few retirees how do we think that's actually going to play out both on the men's and the women's side no why don't you kick us off with what how you think this is all going to shake out we'll start on the men's side it's pretty obvious yeah sure is gone and uh, that that era is over so i think a lot of people were taken by surprise with that i think no one expected him to not 30 so, years old yeah it must have must have been interesting for those guys you know pentaro and christopherson to be well into their training block and then to to have that kind of come out and be because he talked about it, the dynamic yeah. I mean he talked about it? it last year but I have to admit I didn't actually think that that was it was going to happen you know it's a long it is a long season as we've discussed and I kind of feel like towards the end of the season yes like even if you're winning as often as he is which obviously is not quite as exciting as if somebody won less yeah. often but I would kind of figured that it was you know it's the end of a long season it's going to be you're bound to be a bit tired of the road and all that sort of stuff. But I actually, I never thought he was going to jack it in. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, it, it's such a shame to lose such a personality like that and, you know, the superstar of our sport. But it does open the door for a very open, like, title race, you know, and it could be interesting. Let's go straight out with the overall. Who Who is going <laughs> yeah, to no, win the to overall win. globe for the men? No. The favourite's got to be Pantero, really. Um, the way the way it's out at the sort of laid out at the moment, with those speed guys, there's a there's a real sort of six or seven guys who are going to take a lot of points off each other. The way I see it, there's, Dominic Paris is probably the favourite amongst them all, especially on the difficult courses. But yeah, it's hard to see one of those guys really being able to rack up the points. Week in, week out, because of how, yeah, yeah, because of the depth. And we all know Pentro can ski Super G especially really well, so interesting to see if he does a bit more of that or not. I think you look at it on the slalom side as well, Pentro was on fire last year, but he still wasn't able to quite That consistency was was missing a little bit from him, certainly early season. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's it. You've got to win races if you're going to win the overall. That's the the points difference between first and second, you know. 20 points or 40 points from first to third yeah. it's, it's a big a big Step, number yeah. you know yeah I would have to across the disciplines I'd have to back Pintero for that yeah okay Ben are we allowed to pick the same person <laughs> or well, we'll pick someone different no no if, um, I, I mean yeah I thought I thought Pintero probably had the best chance of taking the overall like Noel was just saying he, he seems to be across the disciplines a bit more than anyone else he's got that advantage in the combines because of that slightly better touch he's had in, in, in speed than the likes of Christopher so he's probably going to rack up more points in, in the combined and a few more Super G points like Christopherson didn't even touch Super G last year so it's, it's most likely to be him but I mean looking back down where other people finished up last year if, if Jansford skis as well as you know he can he could take a lot of the speed points, but he just hasn't been doing it the last, last year. couple of years. No. He's like, we, we talked about it quite a bit last year. It was really, by his standards, quite disappointing. Um, apart from him, possibly Marco Schwartz, if he comes back from injury well. But again... Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like Schwartz is a definitely a contender, but coming back from injury, it's a big ask to put a full season together. Paul? I feel like I'm just... You're going to say that? I, yeah. I think in reality it's probably like, going to be... Yeah, Christofferson is going to be... In that's that's as the well. thing. There's so many There's so many other guys who who are going to benefit from Hirsch not being there. There's other guys who are going to win races. There's other guys who are going to have their, their moment, have their shot. But I can't look past Pintrell for, for consistency. I can't look past him for the fact that he can ski in four out of the five events. Like, he's just look, having a quick look on the stats then. He's... Three three Alpine combined globes and and a second place in the Alpine combined in the last five years, you know consistently second or third in the in the GS standings. 
is just always there. And I think that that's, I think that's going to be enough in the men's side where there isn't a clear dominant mm. force. Like Noel said, because the downhill guys there isn't a dominant force. Even in the GS, you know, is Christofsson going to win every GS? No, I don't think I don't think that he will. So there isn't anyone dominant. So therefore, who's going to cover the Just most ground? Points and I think it's I think it's Pintrell. If like you said, if if there's a little bit more consistency in some of the slaloms, then I can't see past them. Yeah, I, I I mean I think you know I'm going to join you with with him, but I think there may be. A time for somebody, some of the younger guys stepping up. Odermatt, I yeah. think, is somebody. I really think Odermatt, but I think it's be, maybe a year but, yeah, or two I think too early. Yeah, yeah, a couple of years, maybe too early. But he came to the the top of the sport very quickly and the was skiing some so yeah. he was skiing so well right at the end in Soldeo. He was absolutely flying. Yeah. But I wonder maybe Alexander Mokilda because he can ski Change across. Change back to Atomic now. Where you know, that's, yeah, that's, that's an interest. So it's yeah. fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, you know he skis the you know he skis the top side so. Whereas you've got Pantero skiing slalom, giant slalom, and super G, you've got Omar Kilda who skis the other side, skis downhill super G and GS. If he want, um, he does less GS, obviously, but if that's something he's going to start targeting, maybe he's going to sort of try and earmark that. But I think you're right in terms of the depth of talent on the speed side. It's it, there's more guys that'll take points off each other than on the slalom side. So I think you're right. I think we're all going to go back and say Alexis Pantero is probably going to be the guy that steps up and takes the globe for the men and I'm pretty sure we all can see how it's going to go on the lady side with Schifrin almost dead sir I can't see her being beaten really but who's let's maybe who's going to push her the furthest who's going to push her the hardest yeah. and it looks like it's hers to throw away right yeah I mean Petra Blova is it's no slouch she's going to be up in her game as well you saw she how she finished the end of last year as well and it's hard to say, you know. I know her coach quite well, and Livio. I'm sure he, you know, he wants to move more into Super G, but he wants to be competitive in slalom and GS. First of all, he wants to be a clear winner there. And yeah, I mean, on the, she's definitely capable of it. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out if she can nudge a bit closer. Mm. But yeah, Schifrin is in a in a strong position there, and she could be so selective of her races and. Yeah, and if she's not, she if can, she's not quite there. She on didn't the, step on the gas when she needed yeah, exactly. to. Exactly. You know, she wasn't. Yeah, you really. See if that, she needs it, another couple of points, she can she can go chuck the downhill skis on and, and top five. Yeah, or or <laughs> skip some super G and train a bit more. Yeah. Slam and GS, and exactly. you know, make sure of that dominance there. Ben, who's going to push her? I'd like to say, Wendy Holder might have a bit of a go. She's one of the closest things to an all rounder in 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 the women's events. Also. Mo Winkle ended the season quite well. She had a great World Champs and, and World Cup finals. But th- those two are so far adrift in terms of just number of points that they take. And they, they, they may be able to get results in multiple disciplines. But the difference is Schifrin's winning in multiple disciplines. Those guys are podiuming and uh, you know putting in a good appearance here or there. So... You know, we've 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 talked Wendy up quite a bit. She's she was. On. Is she still? Is it still the case that she's not won a World Cup yet? She, she, no, she's not won a slalom. Slalom, that was yeah. it. Yeah, that was yeah. the stat. She's really come like on. 20, last 20 podiums or something. No wins. Yeah, combined wins, World Championship combined yeah, wins right, yeah. and World Cups. Um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. That is, it's. <laughs> Because yeah, then it's not Schiffer and Yeah, yeah. I'm just really happy for her that she won and combined. But yeah, at least she got that over that line, you know. But yeah, no, it's yeah, that's the next one, really, isn't it? As an all rounder. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, I think Paul, are you checking any difference? difference? No, no, no. I mean, Holden is the Holden is the all rounder. She won the Alpine Combined Globe um, last year. You know, she was third in the slalom standings behind Schiffer and Bohova. Seventh in the GS, she's she's strong across the board, but just like Ben said, being strong across the board doesn't count for anything when Schifrin's winning across the across board. The board. <laughs> yeah. you, you look at you look at the points scored last year. Schifrin scored two thousand one hundred eighty four points. Second place in those overall is Vuhova with one thousand three hundred. So about eight hundred points difference. Yeah. So you know, are you going to see Schifrin with eight DNFs and Vuhova with eight wins? No, it's yeah. you know, it's not. It's not going to happen. So, I saw Volhova this um, this summer, and she looks she looks good. She looks physically strong. I mean, she was always physically strong. But she looks even stronger, dynamic, like headstrong. Clearly, there's an incredible clearly, amount of skiing. Yeah, like lot, clearly so very fired sense. up and and very very in tune already early in the season. But 
you're going against Schifrin, who is, you know, we talk about Hirsch retiring and him being like a, a once in a generation. You've, you've got to argue that Schifrin's even more above Hirscher, you know, okay, she hasn't reached that, that point yet because she's a few years younger, but in the next two, three, four years, what we're going to see from Schiffrin, I'm sure, is going to eclipse what we've seen from, from Hirscher. So, Volhova is, is going to be close or is going to push her, but realistically, it's, it's Schiffrin's to lose. Barring, you know, barring injury, I can't see it being anywhere, but, but Schiffrin's overall globe. Yeah, I have, to, I have to agree. I don't think anybody's going to be able to challenge Schiffrin on a weekly basis, season long. Yes, there's going to be people that are going to take some points and Vlahova on her day definitely has the skills to mix it, obviously, as we've seen already in Slalom and GS. But that consistency that Schifrin has, every run near enough, every race near enough. The, the other thing with Schifrin as well, and okay, you've got to have the talent first, which clearly she's got in bucket loads. You've got to have the work ethic, which clearly she's got in bucket loads. But she's now stepped into that gap left by Vaughn and she's a bit of a global brand. So Schifrin has now got the resources behind her as well. Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that two, three years ago she didn't have the resources, but you look at what but she's, she's got now. She's the icon. She's she now is, the superstar. She's the superstar of women's skiing, of American skiing, you know, and she's transcending, you know, sport in America. So she's on the cover of, you know, magazines. You know, she's on late night TV shows in, in the States for sport in general rather than skiing. So the amount of resources she has behind her now is just going to make gonna her even stronger. Yeah, it's going to get... When you combine that with the talent and with the work ethic, then I can see Schiffrin just going further and further ahead. Just that hunger, eh? That's, I mean, we all thought, no way that Hirsch was going to retire, yeah. but you never know. Especially yeah. on the on the ladies' side, you look at, like, so, over the history with Janet, so retiring so young, and you know, Petra Kronberg, the superstars before, you know, they were retired by the time they were 23, 24. Mm -hmm. it's, it's hugely mentally demanding, but she seems to have learned that lesson quite quickly. Like I said, in that Olympic year, Pyeongchang year with the burnout, and you mm. really saw a, a change in her approach as to how she was managing the season. Yeah, she takes these small steps all the time. She yeah, makes yeah. sure it's solid and then moves a on. A proper yeah. example to to not just ski races but sports people. Yeah, in yeah. general, she's you know, knows her stuff. She's sensible, smart, skilled, and utilizes the huge team that she's now got yeah. around her. But that wasn't always the case. No, no, no. But so. you look at her, you know, look at her injury record for Schifrin. Like, very rarely has she had any form of injury. Okay, there was, a, there was the one knee um, issue, but always, always looks after herself and has her team look after herself and minimises any chance of risk of, you know, that risk of fatigue and injury that we spoke about earlier. And when you're doing that, then you're going to put yourself in the best position to to get a result. In terms of the rest of the season, who are we looking forward to seeing and who do we want to see a little bit more of? What do you think, Ben? You touched on it a little bit earlier when talking about uh, Andy Pulecker's comments to, to Fiss. We talked about it a little bit last year as well um, with, with Marcel uh, on the podcast. It's, it's really time we're going to need to see a little bit more of Manny Feller. Um, he's been kind of living in Hershey's shadows, putting in kind of cameos and hilarious appearances and wild, what being wild yeah. and crazy and fun to watch. But that level of talent is is starting to look like it's being a bit wasted now. Yeah, you'd be frustrated really... with, if you're Austrian, right? With that, especially without Hirscher backing up week on week. It, you know, yeah, week week so out. you've got Schwartz coming off the back of the injury and Fella just still waiting to put down the kind of consistency that people are hoping for him. I know when you ski that wild, you're going to come out of some races, but you want to get to the point where he's finishing more than he's crashing, which hasn't been the case the last couple of years. That's very true. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's their clear number one in, in GS now, isn't he? Mm. Beller. Yeah. They've well, yeah, but I mean, crop, they've got a real good crop of slalom skiers. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to, to Hirscher not being there anymore. I think it's going to be interesting because that dynamic now from Austria has gone from Hirscher to Marco Schwarz and Manu Feller. Yeah, you've got two Because before it was just the guy, and the other guys, it was sort of like, they didn't have that pressure of having to perform every weekend because Hirscher would be doing it. But now without Hirscher doing it, all of a sudden these guys have got the pressure that if they mess up, well, they haven't got Hirscher that's going to take, you know, ease the pressure on an Austrian win. I think that, like, like saying, there's two skiers there. I think from Schwartz, you're going to get the consistency. And I think from Feller, you're going to get the excitement. And so it's going to be fun to see how that how that Austrian group works. Yeah. If that's a, a positive that we're we're seeing Schwartz constantly 
you know, podium, first, second, third, throughout the season. He did find that and consistency then, before he did his well, thing. He, he was really he, on the way, wasn't he? He, yeah. he beat Dave in, um, in Oslo in the, in the parallel. He took another, um, took another win. He's, he's clearly fast, but then you look at Feller and you say, well, if you put it in the finish... You're faster. You yeah, know, you can do it. The other thing, Michael Matt as well. Interesting. You know, yeah, around him. yeah. He's, he was really fast at some points last year. Yeah, but he went off like it, when he went off the ball. Almost as Schwartz got injured. Like he yeah. was, you know, hitting podiums left, right, and centre. And then to the end of the season, he just disappeared. Like mm-hmm. he just lost. It looked from the outside, obviously, as we are when we're watching them on telly. They they just don't. He never. He didn't seem to have that fire. He lost that bounce. He lost that punch. Mm-hmm. And to whether that's you know, just a long season or, yeah. or, or whatever it is. Well, um, you're going to have, and then you've got Clement Noel. Oh, yes. Like, that's been, you know, that's too. been brushed over, but, it, you know, he, he came from... That touch, okay, not, that man not, has not from, not from nowhere, you know, he won World Juniors, but he came into the World Cup, he yeah. took two World Cup victories and, and, then, and then kind of dropped off a little bit again, but there's absolutely no doubt how fast he is. Yeah. So suddenly, you know, suddenly you've got three, four, five guys that can win... Yeah. A World Cup slalom week after week after week. That's going to make yeah, it. Yeah, I mean that's the thing in slalom. Like you have to. Have, there's no scheme down pacing it. Just no. getting a solid result. That's what's going to be the challenge for Pintero because he's got to be fighting mm. to win every run. You know, and yeah, Zenhauser is another one. He could, yes. he could really step on this year. I Steph, mean, we talk. We talk. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk about the men. On the men's side, the speed guys having so much depth. Yeah. Actually, all of a sudden, yeah, we're, yeah. Talking, we're, we're really rattling, up, rattling yeah. off seven or eight guys that should be winning. Stefan Hadlin. Yeah. Like, Dave. ended last year. Was Dave. Exactly. Oh, Dave Friday. I've forgotten about yeah. him. Yeah. Where's he from? That's what I'd like to see. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'd like to just ski to win a race. Yeah. That's I it. think that's... We all know it from a British perspective. Dave knows it from within himself. We are waiting for Dave. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> but we are waiting for Dave to have that throwaway, you know, that all or nothing run that it ha- that you have to have to win World Cups, and we had it oh, we've from seen Dave. It. We've seen it from, but it just hasn't been able to really blitz it top to bottom two runs. He knows himself, and he, he holds himself to these high standards. And you spent a lot of time with him and, uh, over the years, yeah. yeah and yeah, it's it's amazing to see that and. You know, he is that kind of steady guy, like we talked about with Schiffer as well, these small increments and stuff. But like, yeah, like you said, just we're all gunning for him to just go for it and get yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Ski every run like it's to win, you know. What about on the ladies' side? Ladies' side, yeah, interesting. A few injuries and people coming back. One skier I'd like to see, like, push it in the GS is Brignone. I was, I was exciting to watch her, you know, that kind of yeah. bit loose style, wild style. And when she can link up those like super clean carbon turns it's it's good to watch you know and again that's it's an event that's pretty wide open you know there's that real kind of established group of six skiers and it's always makes for quite an exciting finish to the to the women's gs races i think are we going to see some real consistency from alice robinson yeah that's a big that's That's a big one that's a really interesting one to to throw out there because yeah what she did at the end of last year and that sort of progress she made from the middle of the season on so she's just she's fearless and she's got such a cool mindset mentality of just throwing caution to the wind and she's not not bothered about it and it'll interesting to see how she manages that sort of expectation yeah because now the expectations there right she's now somebody that you look at on a start list and you go right wonder what she's going to do everybody's fortunate enough that exactly yeah she kind of could fly under the radar but i don't think that'll affect her though no like having having spent time with her she's completely unfazed by that yeah, kind of thing no. you know what people's expectations Absolutely, are what yeah. people think she doesn't she doesn't I think she'll move a bit more towards speed as well now from yeah she I was strong in super G at the end yeah. of the year wasn't yeah. she she's she's good in super G and she'll be she'll be talented I think she'll go more that way than than uh, slalom that'll be interested in her and then the likes of Godja Stuick is obviously back from injury you've got three people there that are going to be exciting to watch to see how they come back from injury or whether they're like Robinson yeah. new into it to see how they yeah how they compare um, I think on the women's side it's actually going to be a pretty exciting season if you take Schifrin out of the equation um, and you work on a basis that you're assuming she's going to win most of the events that she's in when when you look at the rest of them Stuart and, and Godger and Smithhofer and Robinson and in the in the tech events um, Provat yeah Provat Provat yeah, yeah. Um, you, you've got a really 
good group good of girls guys. that are going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, Anna Sven Larsson was really getting her slalom getting going her towards the end of the year. Hopefully she could kick on from that and sort of take over that. And uh, it was interesting as well, um, I was reading with uh, with Linsberger, was going to make the switch to to Kessler's skis and is now back onto the Rosie, yeah, it looks been, like. That's been and an so that's been an ongoing saga, yeah, yeah. to do with the Austrian ski pool, so she couldn't use the boots yeah. because she was on Rosignol before, so it wasn't allowed that she would take Rosignol or Lang boots yeah. when she was moving on from them. And then there was big debates within the Austrian Federation to see if they could find a solution and they so couldn't. she spent the summer testing a new ski and now she's going to revert back to rosy but yeah. she was and all know. reports were that she was really fast really yeah. oh that's going to be even worse yeah. Yeah, uh, ben what do you think what who are you looking forward to seeing well, similar to paul i'm quite looking forward to seeing a, a full season of Goggia this year obviously she missed the start of last year through injury um and she certainly came back with a bang and was pretty exciting from the word go and she's similar to bringing got that kind of style that just it's just fun to watch in the speed events um Obviously, we've got a couple of question marks um, around the Austrian women still with their coming back. Obviously, Anna Weith is, is coming back from injury and, and Stephanie Brunner as well. Um, they're, they're not expected to, to be there till later on in the season, but it'd be interesting to see how they come back from those injuries because they are two of the leaders of that team, um, certainly on, on, on the tech side. Um, so there's, there's a bit of a gap to fill. Um, and yeah, just... Really excited to see if anyone can challenge Schifrin on, on any given day. Obviously, we've, we've talked about a few people who might, um, but we we're looking to see some people push her consistently now. Let's have a quick look at the Brits to see what we're expecting from this British team. Um, obviously, we've spoken about Dave and how, as one of the best slalom skiers that we've seen on the World Cup, and finding that consistency and also that mentality of being able to release and charge. So and what about Tilly Nell, especially as one of uh, as her coach? Yeah, interesting for, for Tilly this year. She's had a ski change. She's on Dina Star, same as Dave. Really, especially in slalom, she had some troubles the last couple of years, and she really kind of found the love for slalom again this year and had some great training and a good couple of results down in New Zealand. So she's more of a two-pronged approach again in that sense where... Hopefully we'll see her in slalom. Hard to say. A lot of equipment testing, a lot of kind of setup testing. Well, it's very difficult, isn't it, when you when you switch on to a new brand to try and... I mean, the summers are busy in training and making technical changes coupled with a new ski and a new boot. It, all of a sudden, your summers are even busier and even more mentally challenging as well as physically challenging, right? Yeah, absolutely. But it kind of created a spark, like I said, in it, that fresh motivation yeah uh, and yeah we've definitely seen that very good progress in slalom so far gs work in progress but some really good stuff too so yeah hopefully gs still our main focus hopefully we can see her consistently you know in the top 20 in gs pushing for a top 10 i know that's really something she wants to take off you know i mean from again from the outside she it was so cool to watch her ski last season and we didn't quite get that consistency. Obviously, you, you know yeah, almost yeah, better than anybody yeah. <laughs> um, that that would have been incredibly frustrating for her as well as the coaching staff, as well as yeah, the fans. Absolutely, it's it's frustrating. It's it's whatever, but you but know, at least you're you risking, can, at least you're charging. Yeah, you can, yeah. can And she's got the skills. Question that, yeah, and it's yeah, it's, it's a shame for her, and it started to weigh on her a lot, especially when she picked up that injury in December because she was in top shape there. You know, we saw what she was doing in Solden last yeah, year. Yeah. In the fog, she was sixth after the third split I think it was in Killington she had the green light after 45 seconds mistake you know and then then picked up the injury which is such, yeah. such so unfortunate and that really that was actually the first time she'd ever missed a race due to injury in her whole career I mean that is uh, a good stat yeah, and we talk about pretty, she's pretty robust in yeah. that sense but psychologically it affected her a lot and it took her a long time to feel like she could push again in GS so hopefully she can get that going from the start. A nice early result would really stabilise her in the top 30 as well. So, yeah. You know, that. Where did, what, where she, what bibs will she have? She'll be on the limit to be in the top 30 in Solden. Yeah, I would imagine. If she's in, it'll be 30. If not, it could be back sort of closer to 50. But, Oof. yeah. yeah it's that's, a bit, that's a, you know, yeah, comes back to the WCSL stuff and exactly, the World Cup yeah, starter yeah. stuff. All of a sudden, you know, it's super important. When you're on that sort of bubble there. Yeah, the she 30. could be 30th yeah. or she could be back at 50. Yeah. So, all of a sudden, and because obviously the fizz points have now changed, is that something that's 
Yeah, it's different now. Better in the sense that you don't have to go to so many races. Probably you can really target the Continental Cup races because they're much more valuable than the than the fist races. So in that sense, it is a, is a lot better. But with Tilly, it's about the World Cup. It's all about the World Cup. Getting ready for that because she's shown she's got the speed and the and the talent to be there. So oh, she has yeah. to focus on getting it right on that stage. You know. What about Charlie Guest? How's her prep been going? Well, after last season, you know, she finished the season on fire. That was incredible. That Europa Cup win, second place, national champs wins. You know, she was just free of enjoying skiing again after five, six really difficult years with back injuries. Started the summer great. Back has sort of been niggling again through the later part of the summer. So she's not where we wanted her to be at this time, but the back isn't like completely flared up. So she's been able to get some kind of continuation going and. Yeah, big thing for her, get that first result in World Cup, really break in the top three. She's got a really good, stable start number with her fist points from the Europa Cup results last year. So she's she's ready to do that, you know, and I really hope she can she can bring that to the World Cup, this, the same sort of freedom that she skied with in the Europa Cup. Okay, and back onto the men's side of things, we've got Charlie Raposo, who's been knocking on the door of the top 30s uh, in giant slalom. I spoke to his coaches in the summer in Sasfe, and they were saying that in terms of... Charlie, right now, he is in uh, such a good physical position, which last year really hampered by back injuries yeah. through the summer, which meant that he then didn't have time on the snow, as much time on the snow. It also meant he didn't have as much time in the gym. And when we've seen this, we all know the stresses that, that especially Giant Slalom puts on the body. If you've got an injury, it's probably one of the worst, arguably one of the worst disciplines that you can have when your body isn't in peak position when you look at Raposo obviously last year he had a couple of <clears throat> couple of World Cup starts couple of good performances couple of times into the net sort of barriers or the course career on the side of the, the slope <laughs> but there's there's never been any doubt from anyone that's watched him ski from when he was a kid as to how fast he can be the, the, the guy's fast and he loves skiing fast and he loves ski racing he's a natural racer the difference that I've seen this year is his physical preparation and and his maturity he's always been committed to being a ski racer but it seems like in the last 12 months he's figured out a little bit more what that actually means and yeah. how to go about it and when you look at the the physical training he's done when you look at the preparation he's done when you look at how he's he's tapered that and tailored that to fit with his on snow program he's made sure that he's physically ready for each training block he's reduced the risk of there being fatigue or injury and he's made sure that he's now set up for the start of the season he's always had good good equipment takes care of his, you know, his, his material, a good attitude to, to racing. But now it looks like he's bringing that extra bit in. And that's brilliant because there's so much talent. When we talk about those British guys riding, Tilly, Charlie Guest, Raposo, Laurie Taylor, when you talk about those guys, there is talent there, but now we're starting to see bits of a jigsaw fall into place with them. Yeah. And Raposo did end up, he was inside the top 30 a couple of times last season at the last split and then ran out of gas. Yeah, it's quite obvious. He was really stumping out after a minute or so of skiing. You know, it's, I think it just opened his eyes as well, the physicality of men's GS, like you touched on, like Valdezer, Adelboden, Alta Beaver Creek at over 3,000 metres. It's Sold. so physically demanding, <laughs> men's GS. Yeah. And that's the difference between him going to the fizz races and being dominant, winning runs by a second or, yeah. or whatever, and then coming to the World Cups and... Yeah. you know it's a, it's a different ball game once you're going into that sort of 115 territory on those steep hills well Solden oh. up at 3,000 metres exactly. is a minute 10 yeah exactly. and I think I think he needed that last year he needed that exposure last that way, year almost a wake up not, not in a you know you need to wake up son but you know yeah. that sort of actually He's, you know uh, that you have to you have to you're competing against people that have got way better facilities uh, and access than yeah. than we do as and he's not he's not shying away from it he's no, no. been going hard in the gym this year so it'd be great to see him um also expecting i think i, I am expecting more from Laurie this season from Laurie taylor this season we've heard we spoke about it ben and i spoke about it at length last season about how all the coaches keep talking about Laurie as this hugely talented uh, slalom skier, some of the best touch that people have seen on the snow, turning round slalom gates that they've ever seen. But he, he failed to put that down in World Cup. Certainly not on TV, on the on you know on the World Cups. I know you're sat nicely in a Eurosport commentary box, said in the warm 
Um, so you wouldn't have seen you wouldn't have seen much, maybe. Um, but those of us that are out on the hill watching him, watching him train day after day, then you you know you see what the guys. I have got. absolutely no doubt that, that um, what he is but, an excellently and a hugely talented skier. But we, and I we just didn't can't see, wait it. To see it. We didn't see it on the World Cup, um, which is a shame because last year obviously he had a good start number for the duration of the season, mm. and he didn't really manage to take advantage of that. But you know maybe now there's a little bit of pressure off. Again, through the summer, he's been with Dave. I'm sure that Dave will say that I need to uh, check my facts. But the rumours that I've heard is that he's pushing Dave on, you know, on certain courses on certain days. So the speed is there, and I think if if they build into the season properly, you know, through the Europa Cups, maybe a couple of World Cups, then uh, I'm sure you, that you he's see where take you it. see where a lot he's come from in the last three four years. It's been he's just rocketed up through the yeah. rankings, and he, he'd never been exposed to. Even Europa Cup three years ago, yeah. you know, it's, it, it's I, a steep learning curve. Yeah. It's, I, but yeah. it's, it would be—he's definitely got it in him, and I hope he can sort of compose you, himself. You, you look that. at what Dave did. How many years Dave did on the Europa Cup, yeah, chipping I, away I before Dave won really the Europa Cup. Dave, Dave spent so long with that Europa Cup, working away, working away, working away to take the Europa Cup slalom title, and then transitioned into World Cup, World Cup, and Laurie's just shot yeah. through all of that, bang into the World Cup, and of course there's going to be a yeah, little. But I stumble. think that's really interesting because again, Ben and I talked about this last year that. We saw the way that Dave came to the fore, and he was, you know, a good fizz racer. And then they, and he'd been taken to World Cups when Noel was racing, and when, uh, and all of that sort of stuff. So he, but then he threw, was thrown onto the biggest stage that we could be at, and it didn't go right. And he DNF'd a lot. He never got anywhere near qualifying. And then they decided to step back and go right. Well, we're going to thump your Open Cup, and we're going to get real consistent here. And we're going to fight and fight and fight, and you're going to do your graft. And only when you're ready from Europa Cup are we going to stick you in World Cup. And it seems like they've moved away from that slightly with the way that they've moved Laurie through it. They've gone, right, well, we've got somebody at World Cup, so let's take Laurie to World Cup. And that's not how Dave got to where he was. So I think it's quite interesting. And I kind of hope that either they've recognised that and they're going to do something about it or they're going to do something slightly different in terms of not just chucking him into World Cup because that didn't work for Dave and it hasn't worked so far for Laurie. And I it, I think it's interesting the way that they, they've seen a, a pathway that worked for Dave and they've done something different for Laurie. I don't understand that. I think that's just a resource then. I think you've yeah, got, of course. You've got, you've got two, two world-class coaches with Tristan and Jai working with Dave and the question with Laurie is, okay, do we, do we leave him with the next group down? And maybe he's doing a bit more fizz yeah, racing. Yeah, of course it's down to money. Or like do we, like do we take him? I, I think it, if I we think, had if yeah. we had uh, a bigger programme and a bigger pool of athletes at the Europa Cup level, I think that's where he would have been last year. But I think that it was... It's about a focusing on the funding, but I mean, they did it for, they did it for Dave. Yeah. And arguably, there's more money in, in it now than there was when Dave first started his programme off the back of this, yeah, the yeah. old Ski Federation. A bit of a difference in this sort of skill set as well of the athlete. Like, Laurie maybe is a bit was a bit more at that stage was a bit more equipped for for world cup yeah. whereas dave was very you know lightning fast on the flats but struggled on the ice and the steep and it was really a point that they had to sort of they reached the points that right this is not if we keep going this way it's not going to work we've got to step back and really address these problems before you're ready to be mm. on the world cup and perhaps yeah when you look at Laurie, he can he can handle those more difficult conditions let's say at that stage where he is now but yeah it you kind of got to go for Route 1 when Route 1's still on, but now they've got to sort of, yeah, different approach for Laurie, mm. definitely, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I think it's important that although things worked a certain way for Dave, it's not the way everyone has to do it. Obviously, we've seen in the last few years a lot of people from many nations get to that leap onto the World Cup Tour at quite a young age, and if they're at home and if they get the results, then then they can stay there. Like, think of how young Christofferson and Schifrin came through in comparison to um, some other people. They they come through really young, yeah. um, and if and if people can take take that step and, and take to it like a duck to water, then by all means to keep keep going. But if if you're struggling a bit for form. I think it's just important to sit down with the coaches and, and, and team managers to try, make sure you assess what it is you want out of the season and, and acknowledge, you know, Noah's talking about, you know, Tilly and having a, the primary goals on what works best for her. And it's, it's the same for, 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 the other, for the other British guys. Work out what, what your goals are um, and the best way to achieve them. And, and hopefully we can see uh, Laurie doing that this year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to hopefully a, a real a coming of age 
wouldn't it be great to have two British Ferrari. two British skiers in the top 30 World oh. Cup in a slalom great position aren't we I mean but we go from something that's in a great position on the tech side you're going to move over to Jack Gower now cutting a very very lonely figure on the uh, on the men's GB speed program which we were talking about before we before we started recording it just it seems sad that we've come from historically years and years with Finlay and with the Bells and with Bartelski to all of a sudden now there's no GB speed program and I don't know. It's, it's sort of, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a shame. From a downhillers perspective, it's sort of like for me, I, I, I maybe feel it a bit more nostalgically. But I, I think it's really difficult. I mean, I spoke to Dan Hunt at length in the winter, and it basically comes down to money, which is so difficult when you're talking about the opportunities that a talented skier has or a talented sports person has uh, in general. But then. You know, it cuts down to the fact that the speed program is super, super expensive just because of, you know, the mileage you need under the feet. You need these great big tracks that you can't have, that you have to travel big distances to get to. You can't stick a downhill on an average piece. And so you just don't get the training opportunity. So Jack Gower is trying, uh, I believe Noel is still currently trying to find himself a program to, tr- to have for the winter. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what he's, he's doing at the moment. I know he spent some time with Paul over the summer but yeah difficult I was part of that Spanish yeah. team a few years ago you know small downhill team and you're just yeah you're relying on cooperation with other nations and yeah making deals to get into the training venues and stuff like that and yeah uh, I hope across the whole sport of downhill you know the, the event itself just I hope that there can be some kind of solution to kind of grow it again because that is what certainly my first memories of Alpine ski racing was was downhill you know I often describe myself the heart of a downhiller the body of a slalom skier that's, that's the way I looked at myself maybe I'm kidding myself but yeah. <laughs> nah, but I, I hope I wish him all the best and I yeah, hope he finds a good solution to, to get in with another team and you know he's there he's he's, t- he's within touching distance yeah. of breaking that sort of bubble of the Stepping top 30 into it, yeah. Yeah, but he needs time he needs experience especially on the tracks that's and the biggest thing how is his um sort of mentality how was his his heart I guess going into this season well how was he over the summer Paul? well when he was he was down in Chile with us for a couple of weeks um not not planned at all but the 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 planned program with the British team as it as it was due to be um fell through so I think he found himself in a situation where he had uh, no other option but to travel down to South America where we had a training group operating um and I spent some time with him down there, and, and he was he was on good form. Um, I think he was he was quite pragmatic about the whole thing, and he realised that you know it's it's a tough sport from a financial perspective that there weren't many options out there, but he just had to do his best with the with the situation that he had. So he was he was very motivated. He was doing a high volume of skiing. He was reverting back to GS. He was obviously a talented GS skier before he moved into speed. He was reverting back to GS to keep the mileage under his feet on the days when he couldn't be skiing Super G and downhill. He was joining in with as many teams as possible for Super G and downhill. And he, he seemed to have a few options open to him. For sure, he needs to have some financial support. So he was being very proactive in speaking to sponsors, trying to, trying to get um, sponsors to come on board to support him for the season. But... I thought he was in all things considered he was in a good a good state of mind working very hard physically in very good physical condition and like Noel said like he just needs that experience last year we saw him starting the majority of the world cups and that's so important for the speed skiers compared to the tech skiers because they've got to learn those tracks like those those courses are going to be more or less the same season on season on season you're always going to have Bormio, Vengen, Kitzbühel. The gates are in the same place. Exactly. You're going to have the same the same slopes, the same courses, more or less the same terrain. And so he was starting to get under his belt. And whereas you might look at him and say, okay, he's, you know, he's half a second out of the 30 or, you know, a little bit more out of the 30. Actually, that distance can be eaten into very quickly. That time difference can be eaten into very quickly with that experience. Yeah. And last year was his first year on, on that circuit another year another two years I think he'd, he'd be able to do yeah, that I think yeah. in speed it definitely is about the long game if you can yeah. stay injury free and get to those World Cups <laughs> yeah. every World I mean, Cup yeah my personal opinion 
for Jack would be that focus on Super GGS perhaps more than the downhill. I saw him ski a lot of good Super G over the years, and especially sections and in these, these lower races, like technical Super Gs, like where you can, like long pitches. I'm thinking like Hinterstoder yeah. Super G mm-hmm. pitch. I can see him being really good there. I'd like to see him maybe just zone in a bit more on there. The, the, the speeds. The downhill, he might not have a choice. Yeah, exactly. He might not have a choice. Because yeah. the down, downhill is a, a whole different thing when you got to get in with those other teams. and yeah, Super It's G's a real collaboration well, with the speed. I think, so. I think his real talents lie in Super G and GS. The other thing is with those downhills, obviously, you've got three training days. So when you're looking at the budget that he's got, this very small budget that he's trying to manage himself on, if he's going to a Super G or if he's going to his downhills, then he's got a completely different budget for the number of days, the accommodation, the... The, yeah, but if you're going to training access. if you're going to try and do World Cup Super G, if they've got downhill race at the same Super G, you've got to be there to you're do that be because it has to has an effect on the has yeah, an effect on so the so so again then if he's going to do Super G properly, then he's almost he's certainly going to be has doing to do that. He's going to be he's doing, doing, he's going to be doing it, a downhill. I, I would like to see him, like maybe just keep that GS and Super G. But there are races on the calendar which are not World many. Cup Super Gs. No, not many. Bansko, Hinterstoder, Hinterstoder. Every, I'm, oh, I mean, I'm sure there are if we are. It's, it's hard to be a Super G specialist because there's, no. so, there's so few races, actually. Well, there's, and there's no point of being a Super G specialist if there's a downhill there because you want time on the slope because, again, yeah. you yeah. don't yeah. get to ski on these pistes. Yeah. Um, so incredibly, incredibly difficult to, to be a speed skier from a small nation. I think that's ultimately mm. what it comes down to because if you want to join one of the big guns, it costs you a lot serious coin, yeah. Yeah. to get in there because these big guys don't need... That none of the big teams need Jack. That's it. So it, the only way that he is needed is if he can bring enough money. And if you think enough money for like the Germans or the Swedes, maybe not the Swedes, but the Germans or the French or the Italians, you know, those guys, it's got to be some serious coin. Otherwise, it's, you know, Pointless. it doesn't matter because <laughs> yep. they've got all the cash already. Yeah, it's a difficult position. It's a it's really we, we wish him all the best. And, and with those lineup of Brits, you'd like to hope that we're going to have something to celebrate throughout the season. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, thank you very much, gentlemen. That's all we've got time for for this uh, first podcast of 2019-20 season. Thanks very much for joining me. Goodbye for now.